Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary, and this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here, we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created in I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream August 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. uttered these words that would shape the next 50 plus years of race relations and the pursuit of true justice under the law for everyone in the United States. I was just a baby, not quite one year old. I don't remember this speech, but I also do not remember a time when these words haven't been the rallying cry for racial justice in our nation, a cry that all people of goodwill could echo and amplify until now. After this message, let's talk justice and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind and the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. Okay, Kathy, before the break, you were talking uh, about justice and, uh, and, and what's going on in our day. You know, and you pointed out to me, and I hadn't noticed this, that a lot of people are using Deuteronomy 16.20, uh, which says, Justice and only justice you shall pursue. Uh, interesting that people seem to grab on to the Torah or the or the scriptures when it suits their purposes, even when there's uh, you know no, no belief or 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 uh, 
you know, faith in their life regarding the, the words of the Torah. It's pretty convenient. Huh? Yeah, but when it's convenient, it seems, you know, it suits their purpose or fits their narrative. So, you know, all right, okay, then let's let's play the game. What is justice? Uh, it sounds good, but, but what is it? How do we achieve it? Well, you know, I think the first thing we need to do is let's talk about what social what justice isn't and we want to begin with a term we've been hearing a lot lately which is social justice okay we've heard that a lot more so than justice even or there's been kind of a uh, uh, people using them interchangeably mm-hmm. um, so 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 I want to talk first about this concept of social justice um, because it's something now that's all around us everywhere. It wasn't so long ago that it wasn't all around us, but now it's You're everywhere. Right. You cannot get away from from it. Now, this concept of social justice seems to be really tightly linked with the concept of racial justice mm-hmm. and this idea of racial equality. And while the subject, you know, racial equality is not a new one. We've talked about right. this all, you know, throughout our lives, throughout right? Throughout our you lives, know? and we've we've seen the improvement throughout our lives, exactly. even our lives. And it's it's a, a, a worthwhile, just cause exactly. to treat each person according to their character and not the color of their skin, as ah, Martin Luther King would have said. Good right? idea, <laughs> right? But you know, it seems like now we're kind of, we're kind of couching this idea of racial equality and uh, injustice in kind of a new way. It's like something's switched something has changed Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of us are like running and trying to catch up with this (laughs) (laughs) you know when i noticed the change maybe it's been around longer than than my awareness but uh, it seems with the rise of the uh, blm Mm -hmm. the organization not the sentiment of black Mm -hmm. lives matter and antifa uh, that seems to have brought this to the forefront yes and and it's um I think, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it's pushing an agenda and an ideology more than it is pushing a righteous cause. Yeah, I think so too. But, you know, when we're going to talk, okay, we're going to talk about this. So let's kind of have a working definition of this, okay? So when I'm looking this up, you can find a lot of different kind of working definitions or ideas of what people think it is. So I'm scouring through the internet and I'm looking at all these different ones. And it was really funny because the one that I found that I thought captured it all the best was at a place called Investopedia. Now I know Investopedia is not a likely source that I would be running to all the time, but nonetheless, it's pretty digestible the way and, and easy to kind of get started with sure. this concept. So this is what they said. Social justice is a political and philosophical theory, which asserts that there are dimensions to the concept of justice beyond those embodied in the principles of civil or criminal law, economic supply and demand, or traditional moral frameworks. That's key, okay? Mm -hmm. Social justice tends to focus more on just relations between groups within society as opposed to the justice of individual contact or justice for individuals. Okay, that's key, too. We're going to come back to that. So in modern practice, social justice revolves around favoring or punishing different groups of the population, regardless of any given individual's choices or actions, based on value judgments regarding historical events, current conditions, and group relations. 
Wow. Yeah, wow is right. Because as I'm reading that, I'm thinking, isn't this what we just fought against all yes. these years? It's the, the idea of, of stereotyping and grouping entire individuals. Wasn't or, or, that exactly what we were like kind of proud that we had gotten past i thought we had i really did th- i i thought we had made such great progress and in honestly i think most people with they're honest with themselves would agree that we had we had gotten past this for the yes most part. exactly exactly i think that um it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I, I think it was James Lindsay. He talks a lot about critical race theory, mm-hmm. and he wrote the book that everybody uh, is, is using. And he was talking about, he was describing it as a train, okay, this train of justice and racial equality that's pulling into a station, and we had just gotten to the station, and then the train just takes off. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, what happened? And it takes off. Like in a whole different direction, yeah. you know, right when you are getting to where you want to be and you think you're almost there, whoosh, off it goes. Wow, that's it's so sad. And I think that's a good description because I do believe in my lifetime, you know, I was uh, still a child when, when the uh, Civil Rights Act was passed, but I've seen such tremendous strides in, in uh, seeing you know, all individuals of any color or race uh, uh, and, and, and gender, um, you know, whether it's male or female, uh, we, we've seen great strides in people becoming judged by their ability, by their character, by their talents. You know, by, uh, all of this was a good thing. It was all a good thing, and everybody was okay with this, yeah. you know, and 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 uh, proud of where we've come in mm-hmm. this in the years. It's not to say that in our nation we have not ever had uh, another term that's being thrown around a lot: uh, systemic, okay, racism. Yeah. That that has existed in the past. We've had systems in the past where uh, racism was built into the system. But that's not the case anymore. That's all been outlawed. That's all been outlawed. You know, and I worked. I worked at. uh, I worked in uh, the field of of um, uh, victim abuse. Okay, and helping women who had been abused, and we had trainings every year on. Uh, the Civil Rights Act and and mm-hmm. how we were to work with people and not discriminate and how you would be held accountable and the organization would be, be held accountable. There was nothing in anything in the laws that exists now that would that would could be described as systemic, like it's built into the system right. that it's okay to discri- discriminate. That's just not the case. It's not. I, I thankfully. Remember. No, thankfully, absolutely. I I can remember. Uh, back, I guess it was probably in the 80s, 90s, maybe, I think it was the early 80s, where we started hearing the word um, diversity, right. uh, at least in my memory, when, when I was in the workplace. And, uh, you know, we, we started seeing uh, uh, the, the training, sensitivity to that idea that, that we're not all the same. You know, I, I, surprise. It, yeah, surprise. <laughs> Obviously, these are things that we could have observed without training. But um, that became uh, something that was in the consciousness of 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 corporations and so they would teach these things so that we would they would not see manifestations of that uh, you know single block thinking that exactly. we might have had. Exactly. Yeah. We were already on it. Right. 
we were already Many on years it. Ago. The train was already in the station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you go back to this definition that I was looking at, and there's so much in it, so I wanted to kind of pull out a couple of ideas okay, sure. that were in it. And it, it implies here that there are two kinds of justice, mm -hmm. okay? There's an individual justice and this social justice. See, okay? I think right off the bat, this is where we're going wrong. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's where we're going to go wrong. And we're going to get yeah. to that mm -hmm. uh, as we talk about Torah mm -hmm. is because right now we're, we're setting up this, these two kinds of justice and then we're kind of conflating it. We're kind of getting them both confused and we're, we're trying to look at, uh, or setting up as as equivalent or the same thing, but they're not the same thing, no. you know. And it is exactly this idea that because of the group you're associated with, maybe that's the group that you share a, a race or skin color with, or the uh, the the group you share body parts with, or whatever mm. it is, you know. Okay, <laughs> that somehow then you're all the same. You all get held guilty for the same thing um you know it's 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 a it's a like you said a way we used to think maybe as, as a nation well, a long time ago <laughs> i mean think about this and, and and i would like our audience to think about this is this trying to fix racism with racism that doesn't work you, what's that saying two rights don't make a two wrongs don't make a right yeah Three, I think that's three, it. Three you can't make a right. No. Yeah, two two wrongs don't make <laughs> a right. Yeah, okay. So if we had a wrong yeah. and we try to fix it with another with wrong, another that doesn't wrong. make it's it right. It's not going to make it right. That you cannot make... fix racism with racism. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know what? If if you don't understand this new idea of justice, i.e., social justice, mm -hmm. then you can't explain uh, what's going on in this country. That is true, but if you if you challenge it, sadly, yeah. like we are doing right now, we're going to be labeled based on critical race theory mm -hmm. and, and others uh, uh, ideologies. We are racist in, our, in in the fact that you and I here, who are both considered Caucasian white, mm -hmm. we are racist because we're challenging the thought process of critical race theory. Now again, that's racism. Just because you, uh, because we are white, uh, and defend the idea that we are not racist, according to this theory, that automatically exactly. makes us racist. Exactly. Exactly. So it gets, you know. So I can see why people in the country get confused. Then they get kind of overwhelmed, and they then then they can get silent okay about I, it yeah i agree i think the frustration the the uh the overwhelmed as you said overwhelmed with it not understanding not it understanding and so it. they just withdraw exactly and, and they keep their mouth shut because what for one they don't want to be labeled a racist right and two they probably don't understand what the heck this is all about exactly so we're gonna look uh we're gonna we're gonna Dive in a little deeper, sure. okay? As racist as that may or may not be, right? We're going to dive in a little deeper. Okay, so we just, uh, just yesterday had the anniversary, uh, if you call it that, the uh, one year since uh, George George Floyd, mm -hmm. okay, his death, all right? And then after that, we had the buildup, and then we had the trial of Derek Chauvin, right. okay? Now, 
most of us, when we were watching the news about this trial, most of us were seeing that everything was centered on the concept of systemic racial injustice in our criminal justice system and in our policing system. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I watched any news or read anything that did not center around this what was in, what was implied this systemic racial injustice, particularly in policing. Right. Okay. Right. All right. And so even our president. Okay. I I, I went on and I I I I actually got his quote because I couldn't quite remember it. He made a quote uh, on the day that the uh, the jury verdict came out, and he said, and and he he said, and this takes acknowledging and confronting head on systemic racism and racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. Okay. Ironically, though, Derek Chauvin was not accused of a racially motivated crime. Right. By, except for in the public court of public opinion. Except in the court of public opinion. And that's, again, I, I know where you're going because that's where it goes wrong. Public opinion should not sway our justice system. It should not sway a, a jury or a judge or, or even the fact that he was arrested. Now, I'm not debating the guilt or innocence of Derek Chauvin. There's, that's another whole debate. Um, we know, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this case, but right off the bat, we, we should not be allowing public opinion to sway our justice exactly. system. Exactly. And it looks like to me that indeed even our leaders were encouraging that to happen, mm -hmm. that we were going to, uh, this man was going to be tried by public opinion rather than by right. an, a, a, a jury, okay, of his peers, um, unbiased jury of his peers. Right. So, but I, I, I find it ironic that I, I think you would have been hard pressed to find a person who realized that that man, uh, Derek Chauvin, was not charged with any racial crime. I think everybody thought that. Yeah, I think I think you're right because there's so much emotion right. built around this, so much public opinion, so many talking heads, you know, with with both sides of the issue, that lost in this conversation is the the pure system of justice. Yes that we had established in this country, innocent until proven guilty, habeas corpus, the idea of having to go before a judge and be released if you can't prove guilt, be held if you can prove that there's you know, a, a legitimate case. But all of that is part of a, a justice system that we should cherish and protect in this country because you know, all around the world, there are you know banana republics and dictatorships and and communist systems that people aren't afforded this type of protection under the law. We we just don't realize what we have. We and don't how, how good and, it is, and it, we don't realize how close we're coming to destroying it exactly. with this type of behavior. Exactly. You know, uh, I remember a statement by Maxine Waters at the time. She goes, "This is just exactly to your point." She goes, we're looking for a guilty verdict. Oh, that is so scary. I'm like, what do you mean we're, we're looking? Who Who's we? What is that is right there, a perversion of the justice system Absolutely. at all. We're looking for justice. We're looking for truth. But we're not looking for a particular verdict one way or the other. We're looking for truth. And as a leader, as a, as a, a member of Congress, how irresponsible 
I mean, that you, you're right. Those words should have been, we're looking for justice. We're looking for the truth, not we're looking for a particular verdict. That in, innocence until proven guilty is one of the, the, the greatest protections we have under exactly, the law. Exactly, exactly. But so this is where everybody kind of probably gets got kind of confused or you're looking at it going, wait, 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 wait. I don't understand everything that I thought I knew mm-hmm. uh, doesn't seem to be applying here to the idea of justice unless you think of social justice now it all falls into place but that again i know we want to talk more about what the torah has to say about it but i'll I'll submit this right now that is entirely anti-torah entirely anti uh the the instructions that god gave not to base our judgment on somebody's social class exactly exactly so we can't say but with social Social justice, and I kind of put air quotes around social, okay? We've got justice, but this is a specific type of justice. Okay, so guilt or innocence of one particular person doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It does not matter, okay? If the group of people they're associated with have been historically guilty of something, um, then everyone in that group is guilty from here on out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't matter what their individual uh, definition we had at the beginning, whatever their individual actions or behaviors were, it doesn't matter. And that's what we're dealing with here is something brand new. Something brand new, but hideous. I yes. mean, I want our audience to think about what, what you just said, that you're guilty based on your race or your social status or whatever they might deem, you know, what, how, however they're going to categorize mm-hmm. you. And that's what they're doing. They're categorizing yes. us based on an assumption of guilt for something that they, they you know, somebody may have perpetrated in the past. And now we are we are all guilty. That is racism. And and you know it's. I I said it's something new. It's not new. What's new, is that, we're saying this is, okay. okay. Oh, that's what's new. That is a that is a great point. Okay. Because oh yes, racism and these types of problems have existed yes. for years, but never in in civilized society have we said they are okay. Right. Right, right. And never have we, I mean, it, it, never have we defined justice with these perverted ideas. Right. Okay. Never have we done that before. So that's what's new. Not that this way of thinking has not existed in the past. It most certainly has existed in the past, but that now this is what all the books are being written on and everybody's saying, this is what we're training our children in. I'm just listening the other day uh, to the news and it's talking about this way of thinking, getting into the schools and uh, teaching the children that because of their skin color, then they're, uh, they're automatically guilty that they already, that they automatically carry some type of burden of racism upon them simply because of their, their skin color. The same thing applies for, let's, say uh, sexism 
Okay. Mm-hmm. That men, by definition of being a man, that that carries with it some type of guilt automatically, right. you know, when it comes to women. Well, that's, you know, that's child abuse. I mean, to, to start raising our children <laughs> with that way of thinking, uh, because we, again, we've made such great strides in trying to get around, that, get away from that type of thinking. Exactly. And, um, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really what, and I think we'll get, talk mm-hmm. more about this in a, in a moment. But it's really anti-God, and it's really anti-Torah, and I think that is the ultimate goal. I think that's the goal. You know, it, it really, when we when we start establishing this idea once again that everyone's right in their own mind, Whew. you know, we have we have lost that standard, that that gold standard, that that moral code of con- or that universal code of conduct that God gave us. Exactly. You know, it's interesting if you go. Um, Let's just go back to our founding. We talked about how we have something unique in the world here in America, okay? And we, uh, many people have forgotten that. We have existed for so long in this unique way. We kind of take it for granted, okay? But, we, you know, if we go back to the founders as they were trying to establish this nation and they were sitting up, setting up our, our uh, criminal justice system. They were setting up, um, you know, the whole country and all the, you know, the government and everything, you know, the idea of justice was, was very important. That was one of the reasons that we had a revolution. Okay. Mm -hmm. They thought they were being treated unjustly. Okay. Mm -hmm. By the King of England. Okay. So, you know, this was a top priority for our founders, okay, to, to think in these terms. And they did think in these terms. They, they, they had an idea of justice, okay? And, you know, that, for instance, Thomas Jefferson, uh, he said, equal and exact justice to all men, okay? Mm-hmm. Freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of the person under the protection of habeas corpus, you mentioned that, trials by jury, impartially selected these principles form the bright constellation that's gone before us that was thomas jefferson in 1801 and and uh john jay he was the first um uh, supreme court justice mm-hmm. right he said justice is indiscriminately due to all without regard to numbers wealth or rank and I would add to that without regard to any of these other ideas like skin color or anything else right. um, or body parts. Right? <laughs> um, but, but I know that there are going to be people in our audience at this point when we talk about the founding. Um, they're going to uh, automatically, people are going to think, well, what about slavery? Right. Uh, it's, it's obvious that it's on the minds, uh, I'm sure, of people in our audience. It's on the minds of people around the country, around the world, and it's often come up in this debate. And so I think we should give it some time, for sure. Yes. Um, you know, the scripture is clear, um, and I, I can think of three examples of where it is spoken that God uh, is not, uh, he's not partial. He gives, he's no partial, uh, he, he's, yeah. <laughs> there is no partiality with God, is exactly. what I'm trying to say. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, it's repeated in um, the book of Acts when Peter discovers, you know, going to the Gentiles, uh, God, he says, God shows no partiality. No partiality, And yes. then Romans 2, 11, there is no partiality with God. So the question then comes is that why was there slavery Back when we read in the Tanakh, or what the world calls the Old Testament, um, I see a provision 
where God made the, the made it available to get out of being a bond servant, be, be, get out of being a slavery, and it was actually frowned upon is to to stay in slavery. You know, the the Israelites were slaves because mm, yes. at one time because this was a cultural norm. Everybody but did it. Everybody did it. But I believe the Torah is the first place where we see a provision to escape slavery. Now, Oh, I like that. And that theme was God bringing his people out of slavery, obviously. Yes. 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 And so he understood that they had been slaves. And this is not something that we, he wants anybody to, uh, to encounter or to live through. And so when we, kept, when we fast forward to the founding fathers who were, were very astute in understanding the Torah... They, this was the debate that was going on. Now, you, you mentioned the founding fathers and that some of them were slave owners. Well, this is at the very heart of the debate that was going on during the Constitutional Convention. And had slavery been dealt with at that point during the Constitutional Convention, which I think was attempted, it would have been a non-starter. We never would have founded this country. It was so hotly debated and it was so entrenched in, especially in the South, that we would not have, we would not have the country that we have today founded at that time. So they made provision within the Constitution to amend it so that it could be dealt with as we grew. So they, the Constitution was written and it was ratified and we got this country off the ground knowing that there was room for improvement. Yes, that's the key. That is the key. Because I think it, not like a dictatorship, not communism where things are set and there's no recourse for the population to change anything that's going on. Our Constitution is different. It's a beautiful document that allows for we the people to make change. Now, of course, it was almost 70 years later, or a little over 70 years later, we fought a war over this very issue of slavery. Millions of people died over that. Exactly. So many people died fighting to make this improvement, and and it was made. It was a sacrifice of uh, the bloodshed of many lives. And, And finally, in 1865, one of those amendments that I just spoke of was was passed to abolish slavery. Exactly. The 13th Amendment. Exactly. So, uh, yes, uh, again, it took another 100 years for us to pass the Civil Rights Act. But do you see, we were constantly trying to improve. We were trying, we were making ground in this, in this area. And I'm sure many, many people of color say, why did it take so long? And I get that. But... To, in the defense of this nation, at least we were doing something about it and had and the founders made the provision that we could do something about it. And, and, and in defense of how long it took, you know, other countries existed for much longer than Absolutely. the U.S. did and for much longer with slavery. That is very so true. we actually dealt with it much quicker. And there are countries in existence today that have still not dealt with it. That's right. So relatively okay. speaking, so relatively we, were, speaking we worked with it pretty quickly. Yeah. The, the founders, you know, d- definitely knew that that was an issue. They definitely knew that it was wrong. They built provisions uh, to account for that when the time was right and ready. Um, and, you know, even fast forward to Martin Luther King, he realized that those provisions were in our Constitution, our Declaration, our founding documents, and he relied on them. He spoke to them and said, look, 
This is what's in our founding document for this very nation. We haven't lived up to it. Now I want to hold you to these founding documents. That is such a great point, Kathy, because he worked within the system. He wasn't trying to destroy the system. That is the difference between a Martin Luther King and the way he operated and say a BLM right. or an Antifa that are basically, and BLM by their own words have admitted they're a Marxist system. And what do they do in a Marxist system? They, it's the destruction of the institutions that we know and love. And they want to destroy um, everything that we hold dear and replace it with their theology, I'll call it. It's exactly. their ideology and their theology and orthodox theology of um uh, you know, of this critical race theory or right. whatever you want to call it. it. They want to replace what we have with their but own orthodoxy. By first orthodoxy. destroying what we had and yes. I, and I, what we have. And I think, like I said, that's the difference with Martin Luther King Jr. He, he worked within the system, recognizing that a system was in place to deal with this right. and, 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 and then took advantage of that, that the system was in place and, kind of held it held us you know you can say held the feet to a fire or held us up to a mirror and said look here it is in our documents right let let's let's go with this this was a good idea okay right. this he, is a good idea all men are created equal endowed by their creators with you know unalienable rights that's a good idea folks it's a great idea <laughs> it's beautiful and he understood that that was justice and didn't try to create justice in his own image. Like I say, uh, an organization like BLM is trying to create justice in their own image and in their, in their, uh, their viewpoint versus this beautiful, perfect, um, righteous idea of what exactly. justice is we find in the Torah. You know, Historically, in our nation, we've all seen uh, this picture. We've seen us. We've seen statues. This idea of Lady Justice. Okay, so since the Renaissance, the image of Lady Justice has been depicted wearing a blindfold. Okay, and she's holding a set of scales, and um, which upon which she measures the strength of a case for its support or its opposition. She's blindfolded. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, her blindfold, her blindness indicates that justice Justice is, or at least should be, meted out objectively. Right. Okay? Not so she does not see, okay, skin color or sex or any of these differences. And uh, so without fear, without favor, without uh, regardless to identity, money, power, right. blind justice, okay, blind impartiality. This was the standard that we all thought was was so good and was so good. It, it is so good. And it again, it is it, it holds true to Torah. You know, you mentioned uh, regardless of power and money or any kind of standing, you know, that's normally the thought process in someone's mind. If they have enough money, if they have enough power, then they, they get they set buy free. justice. Right. <laughs> um, but then but but the scripture, the Torah says both in two places, at least that I know of, Exodus twenty three, verse two and three, and Leviticus nineteen, verse fifteen. I'm gonna read from Exodus twenty three. Um, verse two and three, because this this is something that I think is the opposite of what a lot of people think, but it's so true. We have to understand this. It says, "You shall not follow a crowd." Well, here this is a great line right here. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Yeah. You know, mob justice. 
we don't want mob justice. And that's what I, I, I am witnessing on our streets and, and it's infiltrating in, into the court is mob justice. But you do not want to follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice, to pervert justice by, by following the crowd. But verse 3, you shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. Now, isn't that a, a, an interesting twist? Yes, we don't want to allow the rich and wealthy to, to trample justice with their power and wealth. But we also don't want to look at a poor man and say, oh, he's, he's, you know, we have to feel sorry for him and then trample justice that way. So that's Exodus what? That's Exodus chapter 23, verse 2 and 3. So is there, does it say like in the next line, something about the rich man or did, was there a reason? In, in there, no, but I think believe in, in Leviticus 19, verse 15, it mentions both. Right. Um, so but it's could, interesting that it's not there. And I, you know, you got to wonder, okay, did did. God knew that both of these things were possible. Okay? They are, and <laughs> that's know? what we're seeing today. And I, but exactly. I think what was interesting about that one was it was it, it was preceded by the idea of mob rule. Yeah, and that that is what we're witnessing. I think. Wow. Again, in the George Floyd case, let's take for example. I'm not going to argue the guilt or innocence of, of Derek Chauvin, but what we saw was a travesty of of our system. Again, whether or not he's guilty or innocent, that was that was what the the jury decided that he was guilty. But the the travesty leading up to that, and the words of Maxine Waters and and President Biden, those should not have happened. They, they, they should not have said the things that they said. And uh, let me just look at Leviticus 19 verse 15 here for you, and we'll, we'll, I believe it includes both. In this case, you shall uh, do no injustice. In judgment, you shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. So in that verse, it mentions both. You, it doesn't matter. Power, money, or poverty, it doesn't matter. That's the, the picture of the Lady Justice you're talking I, about. I, I find that so interesting because I think in our society today, we all have a really good idea of uh, an understanding of the, the the part about the 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 great, the mighty, the wealthy. Okay, not showing preference to them. I think that's something we understand. But um, as far as the the poor, we haven't really thought about it in these terms. And you know, I've just more recently started thinking about it in these terms too. That. You can't show impartiality to the poor either. Exactly. That's a, in our society, that's, that's almost unthinkable. (laughs) But that shows you the wisdom of God. Yes. See, that's, that's, that's what's missing here in this equation (laughs) is the wisdom of God and that he, he, his justice is pure. His righteousness is pure. It's perfect. And, and we are not to be judged in, for any of these characteristics, whether it's skin color, social status, uh, gender. None of that matters. It, the evidence is what matters. And a jury of your peers is what matters. And a judge, th- that all matters, that they are impartial. Exactly. You know, I find, and I'd like to talk about this some other time, because this idea in Leviticus 19, it said, you shall not do injustice in judgment. You know, 
How many times have we heard in our life that you shall not judge? Mm. And, you know, if you look at the totality, totality, uh, totality, is that the right word? Yeah, All sure. of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Bible. It's not that we aren't to judge, but we are to judge according to God's standards. Bingo. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, people run around and say, you shouldn't judge this and you shouldn't judge that. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't have the whole story here. Right. Uh, we should only judge according to God's standards. Okay. There are, there are ways to judge that many of us don't use. Okay. Granted, I, I understand that. Okay. So look first at yourself and right. see what's going on with yourself. Okay. And take care of that. But, but the idea that you aren't to judge at all is not a biblical concept. No, okay? you're absolutely right. And, and we, that, that's a whole nother story. I mean, a whole it nother is, podcast, but, we, but, but, but going back to, we have been given a standard. We have been and, given a and, standard. And you know, you know, the, the, with the ignoring of the righteous King, uh, you know, it reminds me of that passage in the book of Judges. I think it's found twice that everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king. Well, in our case, the king is the creator of the universe and he set the standard and we're to behave according to that standard. Exactly. And it, 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 we get a little bit closer there if we look at the word justice that's used there um, in in Leviticus, and it's used in the uh, the Deuteronomy 16, which is what we opened this was, justice and only justice. Mm -hmm. The word there, the Hebrew word there is zadek or zadik, right. okay? That word means righteousness, mm -hmm. okay? The righteous king, you said that That's just right. a minute ago, okay? Mm -hmm. Righteousness, okay? Okay, that kind of changes everything when you talk about you is switching that word to righteousness instead of justice yeah, they're the same root in some it's, cases they're interchangeable they're interchangeable in yeah. exactly exactly so this word right here is the word zodic righteousness and it's interchangeable but so you say okay so what's righteousness okay this righteousness is this concept of what's right and wrong but the standard as you said has to originate with god not men to. It has to, because every man is right in their own mind. Otherwise, it's a, this sliding scale of morality, as I like to call it, um, there's no end to that. There's no I mean, end. We, we you see know, that. We've seen it in our lifetime. We've, we've slid from that center, that true north, a little bit, a little bit, and then it seems like exponentially in, in, in recent times, it's, we're just You're leaving. You're hard-pressed as a society to ever go back. Uh -huh. You know, because it's happened so slowly, almost imperceptibly, that you don't even recognize sometimes how far away you've gotten, yes. okay, from God's standard of righteousness. Right, because you focus in on what's normal in society and exactly. the people around you, and therefore you, you it looks normal. If everybody's doing it, exactly. but if you look back to God's standard, it's grotesque. Exactly, exactly. I think that's that's where our that's where our our problem is. And you you've said it before, and you you said just a little bit ago, these efforts that we see going on are efforts at it's not an attack on the, just the founding. It's not an attack on on white people or men. It's an attack on God. Amen. That's the real target. That's the real target. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, th I think I see that in so many ways today. Um, cancel culture. 
Yes. It's not, it's not canceling you and I, it's cancel God. Exactly. You know, this justice idea, it's not canceling, you know, our justice system. It's canceling the standard that God It's set. the standard that God said, yeah. this, this right or wrong, the standard of righteousness. And therefore, if you cancel that, um, you cancel God, then everybody becomes God. And mm-hmm. then thus you have everybody's doing whatever is right in right. their own eyes. And which, that's anarchy. And that's anarchy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it, it kind of uh, takes me back to uh, Genesis in the garden. And they were given this one command, do not eat of this tree. Mm-hmm. Of the knowledge of good and evil. It mm-hmm. wasn't to eat, not eat of a tree of good and evil. Um, there, It was the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened was Adam and Eve wanted to become like God. They wanted to be able to determine what was good and evil. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what God can determine. Only God can determine that. But in eating of that, that fruit, in essence, the original sin was this concept of I can be God. I can determine what's right and what's wrong. Okay. Cause I have the knowledge, the knowledge right. of good and evil. Okay. And God reserves that for himself. Yeah. And, and Thank, thankfully, thankfully, exactly. <laughs> but we've never really seemed to accept that. Okay? No, but, but we, we, we will mess it up every time, every, every, time every single time. And Wisdom. what I see that, that could be maybe a little different with today is, um, we're proudly making those choices and, and, and proclaiming them in the streets and that, We've got the right to do it. Sometimes these choices and things were done in the dark before. Now everything we do yeah. is I've got the right to do this. It's on a sign. I can, you know, all this. The, 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 that seems that rebellion, I guess face. maybe it did exist. I mean, honestly, okay, they, they built the Tower of Babel and rebellion. That yeah. was a pretty big Yeah, sign. it's in your face, you know, rebellion <laughs> against God. Um, and I, but I think what's so strange about it today is it's, it's, it's called bravery you know if you if you um uh, come out and say you you stand for something that is completely adverse to um, god's word and and somehow that's bravery exactly you know, I, I don't see it that way I, yeah exactly you know this we've been talking about this perversion of god's justice system um so when we look at this idea that justice is for groups of people not for individuals, of course, it, it throws out a very basic concept that we've always talked about. A man shall reap what he sows. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so basic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that goes out the door, right? With sure. social justice. Well, no responsibility. There's no, and, and, how, an okay, individual. you're responsible not just for what you reap, um, but for what your ancestors were reaping and the guy down the street who shares some kind of, you know, association with you right. instead of a man will reap what he individually sows. That's just out, out the window. Right. It, it takes, it takes away the individual responsibility is what I meant. No responsibility. Mm-hmm. But then, then you categorize everybody's sins as you're, as you know, everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty. As, I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting confused myself when you think <laughs> about this concept. I mean, because when you think about it, nobody wants to be responsible for their own ill sins, whatever. Exactly. But yet now we want to group everybody to be guilty for the sins of one. 
It, it's you, almost it, too confusing. It's mind boggling. You wrap, you wrap your head around. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, I'm trying to make sense of something that it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I, I, I want to point out too, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we stand at the before the judgment seat of Christ, we're not standing with I'm not standing with all the other women. You're not right. standing with all the other men. We're not standing with all the other white people. No one's standing with the other black or this or that or the other. You that ain't you how it's happening. With, you won't even be with your church group or your synagogue group exactly. or your or your boys club. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, nothing, it's, nothing. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, with your husband or your wife, right. it is it is completely by yourself. So that to me, uh, once again, you know, that's God's justice system holding each individual accountable. And that's absolutely the exact opposite of what we've got going on here. No, now. you're right. Absolutely. You know, you know what I, I thought of, and um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, if we have to, we'll be addressing this, so I'll bring it up here. Um, they're, they're throwing around the, the word equity a lot these yes, days. Yes, yes. And I just did a, a quick look into Webster's Dictionary, and I found something so fascinating and, 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 and actually ironic. It, it defines equity as justice according to natural law. And I, I just laughed yeah. because natural law is defined. That's God's law. That's God's law. The, the, all the, the founding fathers knew what natural law was. It was these principles that we know to be true based on the Torah, the scripture, the instruction of God. Wow. And so this idea that has been hijacked, this term equity these days. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, wow. And they don't even realize that it really was based <laughs> on, on, natural on law. the justice of exactly. natural law. Exactly, with yeah. God. You know, um, one thing that, um, you know, our plan is we're going to uh, talk about this subject in a couple of different episodes. And, uh, but I want to kind of lead into that next one a little bit too, is um, talking about this whole social justice movement in the church. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I wanted to give a little sample of that. Um, I, I, I was, as I was reading up on this, I found this quote from 2019. Okay. Not so long ago. And this was uh, the Southern Baptist theological seminary, um, a provost. Okay. So this is people who are teaching your pastors, Mm. right? Okay. This is the provost of the seminary. (laughs) Okay. Now this was his quote. Everything that you assumed or thought was normal in the world or everything you thought was true about your tradition, your denomination, your own family. I'm going to pull the veil back, and what looked like this beautiful narrative of faithfulness and orthodoxy and truth and righteousness and justice, I'm going to show you the rotting corpse of white supremacy that's underneath the surface. God help us. Yes. So what this man has just said uh, uh, is that... He's going to show us how our biblical ideas of faith, truth, and justice are rotting corpses. Of white supremacy. Of white supremacy. So, so, so. He's, so you're going to tell me that Moses and Abraham and Yeshua, I mean, that's a white supremacist exactly. uh, you know, idea? Right. So thus, so what, so what you're saying then, this whole 
idea within the Bible and how this is going on and this going back to God that the God of the Bible He's a white supremacist. He's, a white supremacist. he's unjust. This thing he created is a rotting corpse because this guy, look at, he's talking about orthodoxy, truth, righteousness, justice, all these words we've been talking about, okay? Uh, your tradition, your own family, everything that we hold dear, everything that we hold dear, okay? Now, I would expect this from the leader of the BLM right. organization, the avowed Marxist. Exactly. Okay? You but would. do we expect this from the provost at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary? I would not have. And, and you know, even if there's disagreements over theology, I would never have expected to basically, in a paraphrase, say, that the, the provost of the Southern Baptist Theolo Theological Seminary just said, throw your Bibles away. Exactly. No That's what I think it basically said. Yeah. That's what I think it, it said. Okay. So, so what we've got here is your Bible. Okay. What you've got in your Bible is a God who is unjust, apparently, according to this mm -hmm. new social justice God. Right. Okay. He's kind of creating himself as God. Right. Okay. All right. And he said, okay, I'm God now. So what you thought you knew about the Bible. Right. Okay. No, forget that. Get rid of that. I'm God. Okay. So you've got this Bible that's, it's a white supremacist. It's a white man's religion. You know, uh, when clearly we just use verses where God had no preference and no partiality. Exactly. Okay. So you have to totally ignore All of what's actually in the Bible. Okay? So I would ask Matthew Hall. Are you going to write the new standard for the entire world to live by now? Yes. And Matthew Hall is the provost, the by provost. the way. I'm, I'm, yes. <laughs> exactly. I think so. I he, think he, that's what he's, he's going to do. He better back it up now. He better he's going to have it. to sit down and write a document that all of us could live by. And good luck with that. Exactly. I'd love to see. I would, I would laugh. I would love to see an attempt by these individuals to make a document that they could get everybody in the world to agree with. Right. Exactly. Good luck with oh, that. Good luck with that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But to, I think that that's what's so stunning to me is like, I, okay, now I've come to expect that we've got these Marxists out there who make these statements that just seem so wild mm -hmm. and, and radical. But now we've got it within the church, the it's Southern sad. Baptist. I mean, my background, I have Southern, ba you know, I was Southern Baptist for years, mm. always saw that as, you know, very conservative sure. and, and Bible believing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. In fact, we were accused of like Bible thumpers. Okay. That's what they <laughs> used to call us, yeah. but apparently that's not the case anymore. So what we've got here, um, and he's not the only one, and we're going to talk about this more on another podcast. Okay. okay? But we've got this person, this new social justice God causing, if not confusion, which there's a lot of that, but just outright rejection of God, outright rejection. Okay. Absolutely. You know? I mean, how ironic is that? To exactly. be supposed to be a teacher of the Bible. And, and rejecting everything that God has said. You know, Deuteronomy 13 warns against false prophets who entice people away from the God of Israel. And Deuteronomy 13 says, The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart, with all your soul. It is Jehovah your God that you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commandments, obey him, and hold fast to him. Mm. This was called the, the test of the false prophet, basically. Right. Okay. So God is testing you. Are you following him 
or this other false social justice God, okay, that's coming up. And, and, and social justice, I guess, is just one of the most recent ways that we've got these false prophets, okay? Right. This is another form of false prophets, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, it's like a test to us. Sure. Who are you going to follow? I put to, before you today, life and death, choose life. Choose life, yeah, it, you know, and, and, and not popularity. And not popularity you know, or what's... No matter how many people believe uh, or, or move in this direction, we have to hold fast if, but on the But everyone moves in that direction. Right. And it's away from God. We can't go we there. We can't go there. We can't go there. Right. In fact... Even Paul said something to that. And the Apostle Paul said, but even if we or an angel from heaven (laughs) should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Even an angel. You know, that kind of sounds like Paul judging. uh, Yes, exactly. That's interesting. (laughs) But as you said earlier, judging by the standard of the word of God. Exactly. So even if an angel comes down, okay, and I'm thinking this guy, this hall guy isn't an angel, okay, but even if an angel comes down and he starts preaching you to use something that is different from what's in this word, okay, he's to be accursed, Mm -hmm. okay, so cursed Mm -hmm. by God, you know, so... You know, I want to, obviously we can talk about this topic a lot and we're going to talk some more about this topic, but I I want our audience to hear something that I've really just read for the first time last weekend as I was thinking about this whole topic. I was reading Isaiah 51, 7, and it says, listen to me, you who know justice, you people who have my Torah in your heart. Don't be afraid of people's taunts. Don't be upset by their insults. For the moth will eat them up like clothing. The worm will eat them like wool. But my justice will be forever and my salvation for all generations. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What a powerful <laughs> verse. So powerful. Mm. But look who knows justice. You who have my Torah in your heart. Praise God. We're the only ones who do know justice. The ones, I'm not saying you and me, I'm saying the ones who, <laughs> the ones who have the Torah in their heart. Mm. If you don't have that, you don't know justice. Mm. It, it's just so powerful. That is, that is a fantastic place to, to wrap this up. Exactly. With. What a powerful passage. So that's Isaiah 51, seven for, for our audience. who would like to look that up. So what I'll do is I'll invite our audience to join us next time as we talk more about this topic, but particularly as we delve into critical race theory, showing how this worldview, this critical race theory worldview and social justice worldview has permeated the church and has become a religion unto itself with its own gods, its own canon, you know, its own way of enforcing everything. Mm. Um, This topic seems to be at the center of a cosmic struggle between good and evil. And it's just that important. And that's why we have to talk about it. Absolutely, we do. Yes. So until then, remember what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom, everybody. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.